Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 1234 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Hackshaw, Hacksaw Jim has texted the show to say, Bob. Not once before the playoffs began did I hear anybody say the Edmonton Oilers' net minding had to change. Then basically no one on the team shows up for the playoffs and all seem to get a pass except the goalies. So what gives from Hacksaw Jim? Uh, I think the whole team's got some on him. I mean, the Oilers' top three forwards had 23 points and they got some on him for their defensive play, according to some. Uh, imagine what would have happened if they only had four or five points, but like Tampa Bay's top three forwards did a year ago on a team that won 60 games and had way greater depth than Andre Vasilevsky in goal. Uh, so fair comment, Jim. You're saying, you know, going into the playoffs, we thought the goaltending was going to be fine. It wasn't great. Uh, do you throw what happened in the playoffs out? I don't know. Good question. And another texter says, Bob, you're, you're, you're all talking about teams that are trying to dump cap. In what world are the Oilers in the position to take cap? Well, in Edmonton's case, if they move in, they got to move something else out. So that's how they would be uh, able to do the show. Oh, we got we got Fear the Fin fan. He's a San Jose Sharks fan. He says, Bob, Jim Mora just texted your show and said, playoffs? Playoffs? Yes, the Oilers were in the qualifiers, which uh, Fear the Fin, since you're a San Jose Sharks fan, that would be, and I know you played more playoff games than any team in the league the last 15 years. That's great. But your team was not in the qualifiers this year, just just to say. Oh, oh by the way, here, I'll give you a little speedball for you, a little fastball, buddy. Uh, the San Jose Sharks are in Darcy Camper as well. But guess what? Ask yourself, do they have a number one this year? Just just wondering who's got their number one because he's going to get a number one. We bring aboard Louis DeBrusque from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Louis joins us right now. Hi, Louis. How you doing? I'm doing well today, Bob. How are you doing? Good. Uh, should we be worried about, I mean, one of the listeners brings up the point. We're talking about goaltending. Um, I mentioned that uh, Miko Koskinen had a 917 save percentage in the regular season. The Oilers were 14th in the league in save percentage during the season. They went out in four games. Are, are people overreacting to the goaltending situation, or does a change need to occur? Oh, good question. I think at the end of all this, there's going to be 30 teams that maybe don't like their goaltending situation. But uh, you know what? Listen, it's you're going to put everything through under a microscope when you don't win and when uh, you leave early and leave earlier than you think you should leave, which I think is the case with Edmonton. And, uh, yeah, they're going to take a look at it for sure. I don't necessarily think it needs to be overhauled, though. Uh, it was a unique situation, though, in the sense that it was two goaltenders. You essentially had a 1A and 1B. There wasn't a starter. It was uh, who was hot would play, and there was always that changing back and forth. Maybe um, the look to try and have a solidified number one next year, I think, would be the difference for the change that they'd want to make. And that would be something that I think you'd look at to have that, that boy that's going to go in there and play 50 to 60 games and the backup's going to play the rest. Uh, but that would be the only change that I would see. If it's Koskinen and it's Smith, okay. If it's Koskinen and someone else, okay. Um, 
but they're certainly going to look at all areas. I don't think they're just going to look at goaltending. They're going to look at every single uh, area and every single place of need on the team. And uh, I heard a little bit what you were talking about before coming on, and I agree with you. I think there, there's there's a lot of different areas they're going to have to look up, look at and shore up. Yeah, we'll get to the defense in a second here. I just, uh, I mean, Anton Hudobin had a 9.30 save percentage during the regular season. Uh, he's played great for Dallas. I actually think, you know, and it was Jim Neal who said this to me years ago, in the West you need two goalies. And you know what, Louie, when we get back and play, and we'll get to this year's playoff in a second since you're still calling games, but the fact of the matter is when we get back and play, and it's going to be a compressed schedule. You're going to need two goaltenders in that compressed schedule. Uh, Vegas... You know, they went out and got Robin Lehner, 920 save percentage this year. And right now he has supplanted Marc-Andre Fleury as their number one guy. I mean, maybe yeah, Vegas has... Starter. Yeah, I mean, he, they he got... Is now, they he got, is now the starter. You can say they're using two goaltenders, but Marc-Andre Fleury's played four games, I think, in the playoffs. Yeah, could you so foresee... Could you they're foresee, running with a guy. They're running you, with a guy. Could you foresee a scenario where they trade Fleury in Vegas? 100%. I yeah. could see that. Especially if, if they're going to think and sign Robin Leonard to a long-term deal, which I think he's earned now. I think he's he's definitely put his time in. He's paid his dues. He's overcome some adversity, and he's now played some great hockey. Um, somebody's going to ink him up for, I don't know how long-term of a deal, but for sure he's going to get some uh, he's going to get some term, and he's going to get value. He's going he's going to get paid, and rightfully so. So he's another guy that that is an option for teams that are looking for a goaltender. Uh, there's a few of them out there, unrestricted free agents that. Uh, you know what, there's going to be some movement, I think, in goaltenders this offseason. I really believe that. I think there's going to be some shuffling. I think teams understand how important of a position that is, which it always has been the most important position. And, uh, you know, Robin Leonard, it looks like he's kind of taken over the reins there in Vegas. And let's face it, if he continues to win there, I don't see why they wouldn't want to re-sign him and bring him back. Um, it'll be it'll be an interesting thing because I, I think, obviously, with what happened earlier in the playoffs with Marc-Andre Fleury and you know, Alan Walsh's agent, listen, it's water under the bridge. I understand that. But it's 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 very difficult to have two starting goaltenders. It really is. Both guys want to play more games. They feel more comfortable when they play more games. And I just, it's really hard to have two alphas that uh, kind of want to have that. Now, they've done a great job to kind of be teammates and, and make it work. But I don't know if that works long term. Do you know what's interesting, Louie? Miko Koskinen had a 917 save percentage of this year. Okay, mm-hmm. so do you know how many unrestricted free agent goaltenders uh, have better than a nine seventeen save percentage? And I'm going to tell you right now, two of them are going to be amongst the highest paid goalies in the league in terms of free agents. So Robin Lane, well, there's there's four guys above Koskinen, four. Out of 22 unrestricted free agent goaltenders, four above Koskinen's save percentage. Markstrom in Vancouver was at 918. Reminder, Koskinen was at 917. Talbot in Calgary was at 919 and played well in the playoffs, as did Markstrom. Robin Lehner was at 920. And then Hudobin was at 930. See, the thing for me with Robin Lehner is he was doing in Chicago early on where they were not a great defensive team. Right. So, I mean, he was honestly, there was conversations about him earlier in the year where he could have, he was seriously in the Vesna conversation because of what he was doing there. And it just doesn't get looked at the same way when you're on a losing team. Later in the year, obviously, they started to play a little tighter, a little harder. And 
Um, Corey Crawford stepped in and played fantastic down the stretch before the pause and into the playoffs. I'm not taking anything away from him. He's a terrific goaltender. But you know what? Listen, I, I, I get what you're saying. I understand. Like, Miko Koskinen, for me, is still a work in progress. You know, I, I look at him, and I've liked his... I've liked what he's done. I've liked, I've liked his compete. I've liked his work ethic. I've liked his attitude. Uh, he tries to work on his game. He tries to get better every year. He's a massive goaltender, which I think is just the benefit right out of the gates, uh, having that size to work with. And it sounds like from talking with Dustin Schwartz and with the coaching staff, this guy's uh, very coachable. He wants to work on things. He wants to get better. Seems to be a light guy in the room. I mean, there's a lot of really positive things. And I think, like any goaltender, as the team gets better in front of him, he will even put up better numbers. Um, that's just my opinion. And listen, there's there's been goaltenders on great teams over the, uh, the course of history that um, maybe aren't the most defensively-minded teams, and that's the reason they're able to play that way is because they have one of the best goaltenders in the league. But then there's goaltenders that just seem to find a niche in a system and in in an organization where a team plays a certain way in front of them. And I think we saw that this year with Dave Tippett's coaching style. They improved in a lot of areas, which essentially helps the goaltender because you're not giving as many high-quality chances. You're trying to keep things to the outside, the collapsing back in the zone and protecting the house, which pretty much every team in the National Hockey League is using now. Um, I know what you're saying. Like, maybe sometimes you always want to look and the grass seems greener on the other side, but maybe it's not. Well, Louie, let's cut to the chase here. He had an 889 save percentage in four playoff games. He, he went into three. Well, actually, he played all four. Got in all four games. But you talk about that structure. You know, the top pairing... Larson only plays two games, and the two games he played weren't that good. Clefbaum was a shadow of his regular season self. Darnell Nurse, for as underrated of a five-on-five defenseman as he is, you'd be surprised how good his numbers are five-on-five in terms of creating offense from the back end. Darnell Nurse and Ethan Bear had some tough moments. Their D struggled. The team's team defense struggled. I, it, it, to me, it's a really interesting one. Like We all know Leonard and Markstrom are the two biggest free agents out there, and both their teams want to get their guys signed, and they're marginally better in save percentage than Koskinen, and the majority of the listeners to the show say the Oilers have to upgrade on Koskinen. Forget about upgrading on Smith. They need to upgrade on, on Koskinen. It's a really interesting. You know, it's like how much do you sort of weigh this bizarre scenario with the the uh, qualifiers and the, and the playoffs in this COVID-19 pandemic bubble world, <laughs> how much do you weigh that versus the body of work during the, the improvement that marks or that uh, we've seen occur with Koskinen over the course of the last two years? It's, it's a, to me, it's kind of an interesting discussion. It's a really interesting discussion. And to be honest, I've, I've said this a few times. I'm, you know, especially early on when this first got started, I, you know, how can you really – it's pretty hard to criticize players that come back that maybe didn't have the means to train the way they normally train, the ice time that they normally would have on the ice before coming to training camp, a condensed training camp, and thrown right into action. And let's face it, there were some teams that took off a little bit better than others. There's just no question about that. You could see it. You didn't have to think about it. You look on the ice and say, these guys just aren't at the same level right now as the team they're playing. And it showed early on the teams just ran through some teams and it was just done. Um, and that's just the reality of it. And I kind of say, okay, if there's ever going to be a year where you're like, let's just kind of 
scratch this. Obviously, you have to look at tendencies, you have to look at individuals, and you have to look at systems, and you have to look at depth. And you're going to make changes. Every team's going to make changes because that's what happens every year. But I think there's there's got to be some talk about the fact that this is just one of those years where it unfortunately didn't come together. And there are there are four teams that are left in the mix. There is going to be a Stanley Cup champion. You're going to say to that team, congratulations on winning the most difficult Stanley Cup in the history of the game to win, in my opinion, because it because of all these adverse conditions they've had to come into and what's going on on our planet right now. I just you you have to take that into consideration. And if you don't, I just think you're crazy. If I'm Steve Sullivan in a situation where I've inherited an organization on the interim, and he, he, you know, you know, he wants that job as the GM. Uh, but if I'm him, I'm going. Okay, I've lost two first round picks. If I'm going to move Kemper, I got to get a first round pick. And, and if I'm going to move Ekman Larson, I got to get a first round pick plus. I agree. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna have to take some money. So those are t- two separate deals. I've already mentioned. I think Calgary'd be really positioned well to get Darcy Kemper, who I do think, for everybody listening, his numbers are real. He's the major reason why Arizona's been. Yeah, no, around. he's the real deal. He he's the real. Been, he's been. The last two years, he's been outstanding. Uh, a little bit Ben Bishop with injuries. You know, like I kind of get a little concerned at that. I mean, Ben Bishop when he is on top of his game. Let's face it, he's one of the best goaltenders in the game. Yeah. But. Uh, you know, obviously has battled some issues and big guys, goaltenders, butterfly. I mean, there's just so many moving parts there that that's a concern for me a little bit when guys are starting to show a tendency to get injured. But at the same time, when either of those two guys, and especially Darcy Kemper, I've talked to Rick talk a lot about that guy's outstanding. When he's, when he's on his head, he gives you a chance to win, regardless of how poorly you're playing. We've watched some tough moments for Ekman Larson one-on-one against McDavid in the last couple of years. Um, would you concede he's still a number one defenseman in this league? Yeah, he had a tough year this year. You know, I didn't see the same Ekman Larson that I've seen in years past, but I think, and I, and I would like to believe that he was trying to play a different way. I think he was really buying into the team concept and he was really trying to play under Rick Taka a more defensive game as well. He was really trying to be a more complete defenseman, but upside offensively, he's one of the best in the league. There's just no question about it. You put him on a power play with the right people, he's going to light it up. He will absolutely light it up because he has a wicked release from the blue line. He can walk the line as well as anybody, and he just has that instinct to get up in the rush. Um, how many times have we seen that wicked wrister he likes to release? It's like he's got a 50-flex stick when he lets that thing go. It's incredible. And uh, nowadays, with all the traffic and bodies in front, it's not necessarily the big clapper that's getting through. It's that wrister. It's that wrist shot with precision that has some pace on it that becomes really dangerous when it gets down into the mix. So he's a coveted guy. There's no question about that. Uh, You and I have had this conversation. For me, a number one um, isn't just offense, though. For me, a number one is a Victor Hedman. It's a Victor Hedman. You know, Victor Hedman is a true number one. Offensively, defensively, the complete package. But on that team, he is their number one, and he's right there as far as number one because of some of the huge offensive seasons he's had. Eric Carlson, another example. Um, number one offensively, no question. Brett Burns, number one offensively, no question. But is it the complete package? So that it's an entirely different conversation of the complete defenseman or the offensive defenseman, but there's no question that Oliver ekman Larson is certainly an offensive defenseman that's working on his game. Well, he's had... 
Seven 10-plus goal seasons, two 20-plus goal seasons, two 20-goal seasons, Louie. There's not a lot of defensemen anymore that have 20-goal seasons. Nope. Like uh, I said, he's a, he's a magician offensively, no question about it. I, I just, right. You know, for me, number one in my books is, yeah, I, I understand he's the number one on that team, but number one for me, a guy that I consider a bona fide number one on any team they play on okay. is uh, the guy that does it all. Yeah, well, there might only by your standard, there might only be six or eight guys like that in the league. Yeah. What I what it I would say wasn't it you and I that had that conversation, or maybe it was Jack and I. We 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 broke that down one day and we went through the teams, and and you're right, there wasn't as many as you think <laughs> to be truthful. But what, ha- uh, what but happens? Yeah, let, let's call it one B. All right. What happens in that scenario is everybody else gets slotted in a better spot, and I look no further than the team that Jake's played for. Arguably the best free agent signing of all time yeah. has either been Zidane Chara or, or Scott Niedermeyer. One of those two has been, you know, defensemen that, you know, slotted their teams. I think of Chris Pronger coming to the Oilers in 0506. And I know, like, Zidane Chara has allowed all the other defensemen to play in the right. I mean, completely different type of player than Ekman Larson. Even even the P.K. Subban trade for Shea Weber, everybody was like, what the hell is Montreal doing? Shea Weber, for, and four years later, or five years later, I guess, I guess it would be four years later, it's not even close. The Canadians hammered Nashville in that trade. So it's interesting what happens when you get that well, guy, Louie. And why is that? And why is that? You know, when you, you use Zidane Chair as an example and Shea Weber. I mean, both of them offensively, we've seen what they can do over the course of their career. When when they can, Chara they won can the defend. Norris, they can was, defend. Yeah, exactly. They can defend. They're big. They're physical. They can lean on you. They can eat minutes. Uh, PK Subban won the Norris too, but I think he kind of gravitates towards that offensive side. I know he's kind of worked on his game a lot, but you know, you look at Chara. I mean, he was a beast to go against, and he's done it for over twenty years. I mean, it's just incredible. Yes, he's he's tapered off offensively. He's tapered off in speed. The compete is still there, and that's why he's been able to stick around for so long. Is strictly on the fact that he's big, he's strong, and great defensively, and he can just make it really tough for you in the zone. The game's gotten really fast, but. I mean, he's been able to survive because of those instincts and the ability that he has to play that type of a game. You don't think McAvoy and Carlo haven't been helped because they've got a tutor under a mentor like Zidane Chara, and I, I look no further. The others have got Broberg and Bouchard coming. If they yep. could get a, a player a little bit higher caliber, it might help them out there. Just I don't one think more. he does. I, I know they've benefited from having Zidane Chara there. It's not even not even a question. It's 100%. And, you know, he makes them bigger. He makes them taller. He makes them tougher. And, you know, listen, he's a guy you can lean on in every different aspect because, let's face it, over two decades, decades in, this, in this game, uh, he's been able to see everything. So he's, he's a, a, a total world of knowledge. And, you know what, those young guys have uh, benefited a lot from him. All right. Uh, I, I just remember Chara fighting Alexiak after a two-and-a-half-minute shift. It just, I was just like, it, it is 40s. Like, I was just like, wow. One final one, Louis. Uh, you're, you're working the uh, West Series. Uh, it's 1-1. Who do you like the rest of the way? Boy, good question. I mean, I think we saw Dallas Stars hockey in game one, Vegas hockey in game two. Um, I really think they're similar teams. I do. I think they're similar teams. I think that they both have depth. They both have size. They're both physical. 
I want to give the edge a little bit in speed to Vegas, and I don't mean necessarily individual, but just the way they play the game, the pace they play it at. But uh, this is going to be a series. This is going to be a battle. I mean, I'm leaning towards Vegas just with how they responded with more energy, but I'm expecting a full pushback by the Dallas Stars. And I'm really hoping both teams bring their A game tonight because that's something I'd really like to see them go head-to-head, A-to-A. Um, that'll be a game, and that's kind of what I think everybody wants to see. And, and that'll really settle the score and let you know who's going to be where. Um, obviously, Tampa Bay in, in the East is a team that's up 2 nothing in the series. I think they're the favorites going into the series, obviously. And hanged up, though. Braden Point's a big miss for them if he can't come back and play. That, that's a huge miss for them. Kalorn, I don't know if he's going to get suspended more. I think maybe the major was enough. But uh, a little bit of adversity there. So that could change some things in that series. It's up for grabs. You know what? I, I, I have to pick Vegas, though. It's a team that I thought going into this Western Conference was going to be the team that was a favorite for me. I think they still are a little bit the favorite. But uh, this Dallas Stars team has showed they don't have any quit, and they're not going to quit in this one. Louie, have fun tonight. I went to the first two games of the East Series. It's a weird feel in the building, man, let me tell you. Yeah, you know, it's different, isn't it? You know, you get yeah. there. To be honest with you, I've been around for a while now there. I think it's been a month and a half that I've been in the building. But the first few games, yes, I understand what you're talking about. It's the emptiness, the quietness. You kind of get used to it. And obviously with the headsets on, it's a little different. You kind of block that out. You're well, and you're, in, you're in a way better spot, too. Yeah. I mean, we're way the hell up there. But, corners, uh, but, but it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a different vibe in there, no question. I mean, the, the, the game at home is, I think, more like what it would be like at home. But the game in the building, obviously, is uh, is quite different when you're in the building. But uh, I still think they've done a pretty nice job to try and oh, yeah. minimize that as much as possible. Louis, great stuff. Thanks for your time. Okay, Bob. Take care, bud. Louis DeBrusque is our Oilers Now headliner, brought to you by Touchback Safety. When it's time for safety training, trust the experts at touchbacksafety.com. Your safety is their goal. Uh, Roos Chris Steakhouse, the greatest steak you've ever had. Edmonton owned and operated. Open uh, Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. Head down to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, and Taylor that the staff at, and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers Now sent you. When we come back, Brendan Escott will have an Oilers Now Injury report for James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. This is Oilers Now. Hi, this is Oscar Clefbaum from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chat. Here the Oilers Now Injury Report for James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, the gang of James H. Brown want you to stay safe and stay positive. And when accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Back at the 630 Jet Studios, Brendan Escott. Braden Point left last night's win over the Islanders after logging just under nine minutes of ice time. John Cooper had no update last night, hoping for one sometime today. Ben Bishop practiced yesterday, but Stars GM Jim Nil says he's still unfit to play. Same story with Stephen Johns. Uh, Nil said that he's unfit. There's no update there and there was not a reason really ever given for his absence. So you can tell we're deep in the playoffs, Bob, because no one's saying anything. Uh, absolutely, and I uh, I made a mistake, uh, and it often happens. Actually, in quite a regular occurrence in my own household. Uh, Fear the fin, I owe you an apology. Uh, you're, he goes, Bob, if I'm not mistaken, San Jose does have a first-round pick in this year's draft from Tampa Bay in the trade for Barkley Goodrow. Well, uh, there you have it. So that would be the 31st overall pick in the draft. They do not, however, have a pick in the top five or six 
because they traded that pick as uh, was now was I'm just trying to recall here was that which one was that was that the uh, that must be the deal to Ottawa that would have to be how Ottawa's got uh, picking at number three and number five so Sandals one of those two picks would be uh, but thank you Fear the Fin for correcting me there I, I was incorrect Bob the Oilers uh, on the Ashley Fine Floors text line the Oilers need to keep Smith he gives you way more than goaltending he still has fire in his belly which will help the young guns uh, we need his maturity around in the room Bob, what about Demko for Nurse? Uh, I, I don't see that happen. It's it's funny how many people want to trade Darnell Nurse. Again, if you look at the advanced analytics and the five-on-five scoring, pretty good. AJ says, Bob, what about uh, Tristan Jari? I don't see Pittsburgh trading. Like, Pittsburgh, here's the thing. If, if Matt Murray goes to arbitration and the Penguins allow him to go to arbitration and he gets a ruling in the fives or sixes, do the Pens walk away from that? Look at their cap situation right now, and they had to go get Kasperi Kapanen as well. Uh, AJ adds Kerfoot would be a great fit as third-line center for the Oilers. The problem is I think he's a better winger than a center. Um, Bob, you keep mentioning the Oilers have $6 million in space. Puckpedia has them at 8.2. Am I missing something? Well, I'm going to have to go check Hart Levine's site. Um, oh, I know why, because I'm factoring in Ethan Bear. And I'm factoring in the carrier, the overage for the Oilers as well. That might be why there's a $2 million difference there. And obviously not qualifying either Athens, CU, or Benning in that scenario. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we return on Oilers now, Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.